I hope you're excited. I'm excited. I stay excited for some reason. And I tell you the reason today. And it's all because of Jesus. I'll be in Proverbs 29, 18. That'll be the springboard for casting a vision. I want you to see what I feel to be strongly the direction that we as a congregation will be going in the months, the years to come. King James Version says, where there is no vision, the people perish. New American, uh, the NIV says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. The message, the paraphrase says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what He reveals, they are most blessed. I like that. In the days when it, Eli was tending to young Samuel. He said, the Bible says, in those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Well, none other than Thomas Edison made the statement, vision without execution is hallucination. Some of you business people will let that one sink in a little bit. There's three things that I want to leave with you today, and they're on the back of your bulletin. Feel free to fill in any of these points. But the absolute most important thing that I'm going to say to you today is that first and foremost, now, yesterday, tomorrow, anytime in the future, our main emphasis is going to be on upreach. Upreach. That is all about worship. We grow deeply in love with Jesus. He becomes our passion. He is all in all. He is everything. Anne Graham Lotz put it this way in her book, Just Give Me Jesus. She said, No means of measure can define His limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of His shoreless supply. No barrier can hinder Him from pouring out His blessing. He forgives and He forgets. He creates and He cleanses. He restores and He rebuilds. He heals and He helps. He reconciles and He redeems. He comforts and He carries. He lifts and He loves. He is the God of the second chance, the fat chance, the slim chance, and the no chance. Just give me Jesus. He makes change possible. Well, she continues on by saying, He had no predecessor, and He will have no successor. He is the Lion, and He is the Lamb. He is God, and He is man. He is the seven-way King. He is the King of the Jews. That's a racial King. He is the King of Israel. That's a national King. He is the King of righteousness. That's a moral King. He is the King of the ages. That's an eternal king. He is the king of heaven. That's a universal king. And he is the king of glory. That's a celestial king. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We are here to recover that passion. And what is your passion? Passion is a word that's thrown around a lot in in circles today, whether it's in sports, acumen, whether it's in other pursuits such as art or music or whatever the case might be, 
What is your passion? Our passion as followers of Jesus Christ should always be Jesus Christ. He is our passion. He becomes all-consuming to us. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the Lord of the fat chance, the slim chance, and the no chance. He is all in all. He is what David ascribed to in the Psalms as he looked up in his shepherd status from the hills surrounding the area of Jerusalem. He is the one that looked at the stars and said, When I consider the work of thy hands and thy fingers, O Lord, I wonder, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou wouldst visit him? He is our passion. We need to rediscover that passion in our desire to examine our worship. You need to know that, that here at Trinity Baptist Church, we're not here primarily to promote anything other than Jesus Christ. Our primary purpose is not to promote Trinity Baptist Church. Our primary purpose is not to promote our Sunday school, our Bible study class, our teachers, our pastor, or any of our staff members. Our primary purpose is here for one purpose and passionately to promote Jesus Christ and Him alone. So what was your passion when you came walking through those doors into this building this morning? What was on your heart? What was on your mind? Sometimes we lose the purpose of worship. What is worship? It is making Jesus preeminent in everything that we say and do. It is worshiping Him as King of kings and Lord of lords. We really need to rediscover that passion for worship. Matt put it this way, Matt Redman in his song on struggling about worship. He said the song dates back to the 1990s, born from a period of apathy within Matt's home church, sole survivor in Watford, England. During the country's overall contribution to the current worship revival, Redmond's congregation was struggling to find meaning in its musical outpouring of the time. There was a dynamic missing, he said. So the pastor did a pretty brave thing. He decided to get rid of the sound system and the band for a season. And we gathered together with just our voices. His point was is that we had lost our way in worship. And the way to get back to the heart would be to strip everything away. Reminding his church family to be producers in worship rather than just consumers. The pastor asked, when you come through the doors on a Sunday, what are you bringing as your offering to God? Matt says the question initially led to some embarrassing silence. But eventually people broke into an a cappella songs and heartfelt prayers encountering God in a fresh way. He continues by saying, Before long we reintroduced the musicians and the sound system as we had gained a new perspective that worship is all about Jesus. And he commands a response in the depths of our souls, no matter what the circumstance and the setting. The heart of worship simply describes what occurred. And listen to some of the lyrics in this song. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come 
longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. When I strip it away, what's the heart of worship for you? Is it formality? Is it an order of service? Is it a prayer? Is it anything other than your sheer adoration of Jesus Christ? For He is preeminent in all that we say and do here today, tomorrow, and forever. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, so many people want to know, well, what's your plan? And my response to that is simply this. Before there was a plan, there was a man. And that man is Jesus Christ. And so, when we focus on Jesus Christ, point two and point three refer back to point one. Jesus. It's all about our worship. Everything in our lives today, whether it's it's meeting informally for Bible study, whether it's a, a fellowship gathering, whatever the case might be, if we're in a formal corporate time of worship, it's all about Jesus. And when He is lifted up, He has promised, I will draw all men unto Myself. There's the secret of it all, is to exalt Jesus Christ. Well, point two. There has to be outreach. Grow deeply in love with the community. You know, it's always a funny thing, and we always have to be reminded from time to time that when Jesus left planet Earth, that day when He ascended after the resurrection, and the disciples were there, He said to them, All power in heaven and on earth is given unto Me. Therefore, go. Go. Preach this gospel to all the world. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of this age. And I don't see recorded any of the disciples looking up at him and saying, what's plan B? What if we don't go? What if we don't proclaim? What if we don't share? There the Bible tells you in Acts 1.1 that Jesus presented himself and proved himself alive after many infallible proofs over a period of 40 days. At the end of that time, we hit Acts 1.8, and Jesus said to the disciples, You, tarry ye in Jerusalem until you have been endued or empowered with power from on high. And then when that happens, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in the uttermost parts of the earth. And then he ascended. And then there were two angels that were looking at the guys standing there with their mouths open, staring at Jesus going into heaven and saying, what did you not get about what Jesus just said? You need to go to Jerusalem. You need to assemble in prayer and wait until the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's the power from on high. Then you'll be witnesses. And this same Peter, who the Bible records as having denied Jesus three times before the rooster crowed, this same Jesus was bold the same Peter was bold enough to preach there in the city of Jerusalem. And as he was preaching, that you hit Acts 2.37 and 2.38, and the, and the Bible says, the men spoke out of the crowd, men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? 
Jesus said, Repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or the cleansing away of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, At that day, 3,000 came forward to be baptized. Can you just imagine? What would you do with 3,000 that came here? Mm. I have seen, I was in uh, Romania when we were in Timisoaro at the Bethel Baptist Church. And here was a church that had people had taken three months of their salary and dedicated it to the building of this church. And the, a lot of these handrails and everything were hand-carved by the people. And on that day, there were 65 people being baptized. One of them was a mem- member of the secret police that had been commissioned by Ceausescu, the president of Romania, to execute this pastor. And this pastor was baptizing him. And it was a, it was a kind of service that lasted for hours. And the people were standing room only. They were, they were standing going up the staircase into the balcony. They were standing around the building. They were standing around the inside of the walls. They were there. It was packed. People came to know Christ Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. What a tremendous time. And so it's this outreach of the church. We see the instructions. There's no suggestion. The Great Commission is not a great suggestion. It's not even a great option. It's the Great Commission. You and I, as 2 Corinthians 5 say, are ambassadors of Christ. We have been dedicated by God through Jesus Christ to go and share this gospel, this word, this message to the world. The world that you live in here in Sun City, the world outside of Sun City, the world across the globe. It is is that commission that's been given to us. So the questions that I would leave with you is, is this community, is this world thankful for our church? Have we made a difference in the lives of people here at Sun City Center? Have we made a a difference in the lives of those outside the city limits? Perhaps worldwide. When we hear the testimonies of missionaries that come and speak to us, do we feel compassion? Do we feel a sense of joy over those that have been led to Christ through their ministry somewhere overseas? Rick Warren made the statement in a purpose-driven church that there are at least three reasons why a church should never stop growing. And I know growth always presents its own problems. There are always those ships that sink and those nets that break and it just those that are business people and those that are involved always kind of grumble where are we going to put these people i mean our sunday school class we've had to and i thank you sunday school teachers for being so flexible we've had to swap classes around to put the larger classes in the larger spaces and so on and so forth and it's not always easy to adapt But nevertheless, it is what happens. A church cannot help but grow if it's being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. It will grow if Christ is honored, if He is exalted, if He is preeminent, and if our passion becomes sharing our good news about Jesus Christ, you are necessarily going to grow. You can't help it. It's a natural process that occurs when we're being obedient. You can't say that you're being obedient to Christ and not know that you're on mission. It's not possible. And so Warren says 
These are three reasons why a church should never stop growing. Number one, because God loves people. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but wants everyone to come to repentance. Number two, because God commands us to reach out. Luke 14.23, Jesus said, Go out into the country. Urge anyone you find to come in so that my house will be full. In that great pastoral prayer in John 17, verse 18, Jesus said, In the same way, Father, that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses. And then thirdly, because growth is God's will. Colossians 2.19, under Christ's control, the whole body is nourished and grows as God wants it to grow. Jesus said in Matthew 16.18, I will build my church and build it he is. So, there we are. Proverbs 11.11 says, through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. So, for us, is Sun City City Center blessed by our existence as a church? I don't mean a building. We're not, the church isn't a building. It's where the church meets. Is it blessed by you and I? Are we a blessing to our neighborhood, to our homeowners association, to our clubs, to our various organizations with which we're involved? Are we really seeing ourselves as ambassadors for Christ in each and every one of those experiences. Do you see yourself in that form or fashion? Well, not only should there be upreach and outreach, but there's ultimately going to be inreach. It's kind of one of those interesting things. The church is the family of God. And I have likened it to the biological family. The biological family was the first institution that God created with Adam and Eve. In spite of what you may read or hear, it is the basic institution of society. It was created a long time before governments were created. It was created a long time before any other institution came to be. And then second institution that came about was the church. Okay? God gave a man and a woman in marriage the privilege of having children. And when those children came along, God gave those children a family to raise them, to nurture them, to replenish their souls spiritually, to help them to become adults who honored and glorified the Lordship of God. That was the purpose of a biological family. So that when Jesus created the church, the purpose of the church became Similar in that when a person comes to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and are born again, born a second time, then it's the purpose of the church to nurture that individual to grow in Christ, that they reproduce, that they replenish, that they restore others as well. And so our purpose is to make sure that we have an environment that is conducive for spiritual and Christian growth. That's why we exist. And that part is in inreach. Now the Bible tells us that the, that the church is the body of Christ. Christ is the head. As the head of the body, the purpose of the body is simply to not only carry the head, but to perform whatever functions the head directs. 
And so, with Christ as our head, and we have established that already that He is, then we do what Jesus Christ expects us to do as a church. What if it's not comfortable? What if it's not what I want to do? What if it's not, doesn't meet my comfort level? What if it's asking me to do something that I just really don't want to do? And you could go on and on with the what ifs. What if Jesus moves on and decides to use someone else other than you? What if Jesus moves on and decides to use another congregation other than ours? Every church comes to crossroads and Trinity Baptist is no exception. There will be crossroads. There will be opportunities for us to choose wisely in accordance with God's will or not. We have gone through the Experiencing God workbook. There's enough of us that understand what's necessary in order to be obedient. When Jesus calls us, when He identifies Himself, when He speaks to us through the spoken word or through the Bible or through other fellowship, and we know it's Him, and it's His invitation to join Him in whatever activity He's about. So, the bride of Christ... There's that unity in Jesus. We exist to bring glory to God. Some people have, we've talked a lot in our new member orientation class about how this this church is designed to minister to one another, to take care of needs. And I understand we all have needs. There There are illnesses, there are hospitalizations, there are disabilities, and so on and so forth. There are deaths. There are things that happen. We have, we have a pastoral staff. I put out kind of a funny little thing this past week about uh, how, and it was copied, how your pastor has a defect. You read that, I hope. I do. Um, My warranty is pretty bad um, in the sense that I won't know anything unless you tell me. You know, I don't have ESP. And it's kind of sad for some of you. I have actually had people that have told me, you know, I was in a hospital for a week. Did you? Did anybody know about this? No. How would I know unless you tell me? And so uh, let us know about your concerns, about your needs, about your desires. We're here. We want to help in any way we possibly can. We've got deacons that are, are standing at the ready. This, the church membership has been divided among a number of men, 20 deacons I believe we have right now, And the church membership is divided among those 20. And they stand ready to assist you in whatever way they possibly can. Mary McCarty has done a phenomenal job about working our Sunday school classes into care groups. And they also respond on our our Bible study teachers and, and on and on. We've got a number of people that respond. Some people don't even wait till they're asked. You know, they just respond anyway. And so it's that in reach that becomes exciting. First Peter 4.10 says, Each one use whatever gift he has to serve others. So it's that in-reach process that we have today to serve one another. You know, you're here today, and Rick and I, the Lord has called you not to sit, but to serve. Mary Jo referred to it earlier. When we announce an opportunity for us to make inroads into this community of ours, or to make inroads anywhere else, uh, there ought to be a waiting line for that. Uh, Meals on Wheels, 
there shouldn't even be a question as to whether or not we're going to have enough people to serve. It ought to be us reaching out to our community and in some case reaching into our community because some of these people are members of our church that are receiving Meals on Wheels. Well, you're here today. And maybe you came for whatever purpose. I don't know why you came here this morning. Only you can answer that and answer it before the Lord. Maybe you came here because you were meeting somebody. You promised them you'd be here. It wasn't anything beyond that. Maybe you came here because this is what you always do at 1030 on Sunday morning. And it doesn't go beyond that. But if our purpose for being here is not to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, if not to lift Him up in adoration and praise, then we've fallen short of what we are designed to be as individuals. God created us in His own image. He desires to be worshipped, and He deserves it. He deserves it. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? We want you to have make our joy full by trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We want you to know Him. If you never trusted Jesus Christ, or maybe you've trusted Him sometime before, maybe in your life that trust with Him has not resulted in public profession of faith or baptism. Maybe you're here today and and you've just moved here. You're looking for a church home. I can't think of another one that would be more aptly uh, put for you than Trinity Baptist Church. This is a great place to serve the Lord. If you're looking for a place to serve the Lord, we're looking for you. If you're looking for a place to be served, we got other options for you. And not Trinity. All right? But we want you, if you're looking for a place to serve the Lord, we want you here. We want you here. We want to serve right alongside. And then finally, for all of us, this is always a matter of, of rededication. For each and every one of us. It's a matter of, of rekindling that spirit. That, that joy. That, that spirit that we have in Christ Jesus. That lets us know. That we are serving him. In obedience. Faithfully. Knowing that we're the recipient. Of the joy. At the end of the day. Let's pray. Our most gracious father. We thank you so much for this day. That you've given us. For this blessing that's ours in Jesus Christ. Lord, we come before you today acknowledging you as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Father, thank you. So be with us today, Lord. May may we lift you up, Father, in our decision-making. May we honor you in our obedience. May we be faithful to whatever it is that you ask us to do. And Lord, above all things, we want to be very careful to give you the praise and the glory for what's about to happen. Thank you for these decisions, Lord. Thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.